trade season is upon us and the San Francisco Giants are simultaneously in a strong playoff position, but also in a position where they look like they could use help on both sides of the ball, both at the plate and on the mound. And so what would I give up for Shohei Otani? Who are some realistic offensive trade targets? We'll get to those questions and many others next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked On Giants your first listen every day. Day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. Check us out there if you have not already. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And coming up on today's show, a mailbag edition of the show. I actually sorted through them myself this time instead of asking ChatGPT to select the questions. And that reflects how we're at a unique moment in time here with the trade deadline like 12 days away. It's kind of come fast for me. I don't know about you, but... The trade deadline is almost here, and the Giants, like I said, could use help at the plate and on the mound, but they're also in a strong position to buy. And so it's exciting, I think, because they've shown a willingness to buy when they're in a strong position like they did in 2021. And so anyway, the first question comes from Ryan, who says, what prospects would you trade for three months of Shohei? And this question was asked a little while ago. Now it's more like two months of Shohei, and certainly by August 1st when the deadline comes around. And I would imagine the Angels are going to wait as long as possible to see if their position improves over the next 12 days. But this is the question on everybody's mind, I think. And you know, we, we've discussed there was a trade proposal by Jim Bowden, former Major League General Manager in The Athletic, where... His trade proposal was like Luis Matos, Kyle Harrison, Marco Luciano, Carson Wisenhunt, uh, and others. You know, it was just a crazy, uh, huge package. And, and I explained why you're just not going to see something like that for two months of a player, no matter how good the player is. And so I said I would definitely not do a trade like that. And I just want to point out, and this goes into the answer, that... The argument that some have made, I agree with this, that if you want to sign the guy long-term, Shohei Otani, and he's a free agent this upcoming offseason, depleting your entire farm system and even like guys like Luis Matos who aren't even in the minor leagues, they're in the major leagues, depleting some of your young major league talent and your top minor league talent is going to hurt your chances of signing this guy because he wants to win and he... It's kind of like it's a weird irony or something that in order to get him, you're probably going to decrease your chances of signing him. And so that comes into play because for the Giants, if they do want to sign this guy, if they're going to make all the efforts that they can to sign him, you're not going to deplete your organization like that just to get him for two months. It doesn't make any sense. And so I also just thought that was an unrealistic 
idea. It was just way too much for a rental, no matter how good the rental is, even though it's the best player in baseball. So who would I give up? I've kind of landed on, I would, I would give up probably one of Marco Luciano or Kyle Harrison for a rental of Shohei Otani. And the reason being, neither of those guys have proven themselves in the major leagues yet. And neither is a slam dunk. I think like, you know, some outlets rank both Luciano and Harrison in the top 20 or so among prospects. Some put them uh, further back. Like Marco Luciano by fan graphs is like outside of the top 100. And Keith Law today came out with his list and Kyle Harrison was like 40 something. Uh, and Harrison's currently injured with a hamstring strain. It Keith Law said that he has a partial tear and that it could end his regular season. So that with that's the first I heard that. But, um, you know, I also think, I mean, when we're talking about Luis Matos, he's already in the majors. I think we already see that there's a pretty high floor there with Luis Matos. You could possibly convince me that he could be the centerpiece instead of Harrison or Luciano maybe one of those three as like the centerpiece and then the other players I mean it just depends but not not top prospect types in addition to one of those guys I would definitely consider that given what you'd be getting how it would be a massive upgrade this year and it wouldn't totally deplete you you would definitely hate to lose one of those guys, but you could arguably be okay long term and that it wouldn't totally gut your team, you know, long term and that it wouldn't it wouldn't ruin your chances of re-signing Otani. And of course, the all, the other benefit of getting Otani is that you get an exclusive negotiation window from the time you get him until uh Many, like five days after the World Series ends, you can exclusively negotiate with him and nobody else can. And so that's, I don't think he would just sign an extension. I think he's going to test free agency, but at the very least, you'd get a head start and he would be very familiar with your organization. So, yeah, I'm not giving up all three of those guys. And a lot of the proposals we see thrown around have at least Kyle Harrison and Marco Luciano. It also depends on how they internally evaluate their prospects. Sometimes, like I said, there's ver there's some people who have Luciano top 20. There's some who say he's like 110th ranked. And so they have their own evaluations. And if they believe Luciano is like a top 10 prospect in baseball, then maybe he's not the guy they give up. And so, yeah, it, it really does depend. I'd also include players like... Casey Schmidt potential potentially I don't think there's like star ceiling there although he's shown improvement and the defense that would be tough for me that would be tough for me I just want to add like I really like what I've seen defensively from Schmidt and his at-bats have gotten better lately and again we're talking about a rental as great as Otani is we're talking about only guaranteeing that you would have him for two months and then you could lose him. So imagine giving up all this talent and then he ends up signing elsewhere, even if you make your best efforts and then you've lost these guys forever and you don't retain Otani. And so I would be careful. I would not I would not deplete my entire organization just for a rental player, no matter who that rental player is. And I don't think just because you get him for two months means you have like 
insanely higher odds of retaining him. I think he's going to do what he, there's going to be so much demand. He'll end up where he wants to end up, regardless of if you are the team that has him for the last two months of the season or not. It'll it certainly couldn't help to have him, but also I, I'm not convinced that whoever trades for him will. I mean, their odds will go up, but I think that your odds are not 100% or even close to it, and that's a huge risk. And I don't think the Giants want to take a huge risk on a rental. Anyway, coming up in just a minute, if Otani's not so realistic, I'm not even sure he gets traded. It's going to be hard for that to even happen, given what I said, he's a rental, yet the Angels are going to want a return that is equivalent to a player who is not a rental so it's going to be hard to line up on value there but what about realistic hitters for the Giants to target not that Otani's not he may get traded but what are some more realistic options for the San Francisco Giants we will get into it in just a minute and before we do this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit it's the same when it comes to your vehicle every part needs to fit just right so the next time you need parts and accessories head to eBay Motors with Air- with eBay Guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, here we go. We are going to get to some realistic hitters for the San Francisco Giants to target. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every dayers on Monday, breaking down... A entire series in Washington, D.C. It is a long road trip the Giants find themselves on, and it won't even be over on Monday. They have this makeup game in Detroit, but the Nationals are one of the worst teams in baseball, and the Giants have a chance here. I mean, at least two out of three should be the expectation, and if you can get a sweep, all the better. But it's never easy. These are all major league teams. Giants play the Nationals tonight at 4.05 Pacific. You can catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Search Giants. Next question from Chan Clalilo, who says, realistic offensive trade targets. And as I have kind of discussed over the last handful of weeks, this is not a great class of potential tar- uh uh, trade targets. It is unfortunately a pretty bleak looking market. However, there are some teams that may be sellers that that's the thing is like there are a lot of teams that aren't aren't probably sure where they are right now in terms of being buyers or sellers. Like I look around and the New York Yankees, according to Fangraphs, have playoff odds of only 28%. Boston Red Sox, only 25%. You've got your obvious sellers like the White Sox and the Royals. You've got, you know, the Oakland A's as obvious sellers. Angels at 13%. Mariners at 14%. That's a team a lot of people thought was going to be good and make the playoffs again. But 
they they're only 500 and don't have great playoff odds nationals obvious sellers how about the mets though with 15 percent playoff odds and so teams like that the mets and the yankees and the red sox and the padres with playoff odds of only 28 percent, and then the cubs are one of those teams that they've got this really good run differential but they're six games under 500 and so a lot of teams it just depends on if they decide to be sellers like think about if the Mets are suddenly dangling Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. Neither of those guys has been like ace caliber, and but yet you know it would be interest very interesting. And how about the Padres if they? What about like Juan Soto if they opened up the possibility of trading him or Blake Snell? So I'm just kind of setting the stage here to say that. It depends on who's a seller. The Cardinals, also not a team that people expected to be sellers at the beginning of the year. And they've been playing better lately, only 12% playoff odds, though, and still nine games under 500. And so I have mentioned, I think the Cardinals, why not? Why don't we start there? I think that the Giants could use middle infield help. I think that's not a huge, that's not a big, that shouldn't come as a big surprise. Brandon Crawford just hasn't been great when he's been healthy and he's not healthy right now. And Tyro Estrada is not healthy right now, although he should be coming back around the time of the trade deadline. So he should be somewhat close to getting ready. I mean, yeah, the four to six weeks, I think, ends up around early August. And so it's flown by. But anyway, on the Cardinals, there, there are a couple of middle infielders who I've had my eye on. I like Tommy Edmond a lot as a fit for the Giants because he's versatile. He's good defensively at premium positions like shortstop, center field. He can play second base as well. Switch hitter, much better against left-handed pitching, but still holds his own against right-handed pitching and comes with two more years of team control. And I've, I'm kind of worried about the shortstop position next year for the Giants uh, because Yes, you've got prospects, you've got Casey Schmidt, you've got Brett Wisely, you've got Tyler Fitzgerald, Marco Luciano, but you don't have anybody who can, just like this year with David Villar was going to be the starting third baseman, but it didn't work. You know, he he struggled and then they had J.D. Davis to fall back on. Imagine if they didn't have J.D. Davis, they'd be in a, like, who would be play? I guess Wilmer probably would play third, but they don't have that luxury at shortstop. It's a much more difficult defensive position and so a guy like Edmund with more team control he's currently hurt he's got a wrist thing but he's gonna start swinging the bat next week early next week and so anyway I'm kind of rambling but I like Edmund as a fit I I reached out to the host of Locked on Cardinals JD and he said that Edmund is not untouchable he is available for the right pitchers so as I predicted yesterday they're looking for pitchers here and i mentioned carson wisenhunt and then i looked at that baseball trade values website which is i do not recommend using that as like definitive trade values but i did just kind of look at it for fun and doing like wisenhunt for edmund they have really similar trade values according to that site and i think that it it makes sense to me wisenhunt is like a guy people are he's a he's a riser in terms of how people are evaluating him in the prospect world he's a guy who's jumped on the top 100 lists and obviously if you're the cardinals you'd be getting six years of team control over a player who's currently in the minors and was a high draft pick and the giants would be getting a guy with 
two and a half years of team control. And so anyway, that was just uh, one that I that's kind of on my mind. There's also Paul DeYoung on the Cardinals. He's a little bit more boring and straightforward as just like a pure shortstop. And there begins to be an issue if if and when Crawford comes back. And of course, he, he's not it's not some serious injury. It's just this lingering knee inflammation for Crawford. But DeYoung is less versatile. And so you'd have to either move him, which he doesn't normally do, or you'd have to move Crawford, which he's never done. The only other position he's ever played is pitcher because he pitched this year. And that was the first time he's ever not played shortstop. So I don't love that fit, but I still think it could help them. I think Paul DeYoung is probably a little bit better than Crawford at this point. And there is a club option for him next year. And so that kind of would potentially solve that issue or that fear I have about being exposed at shortstop next year. If you, cause the free agent class, I keep saying this is poor. And so you're not going to find a great answer in free agency in the off season. That's why I worry about next year's shortstop position. Anyway, other names, man, I made it. I tried to make a list of kind of infielders and it's short. I also added Glaber Torres to this list. He, of the New York Yankees, of course. I, I quite like Glaber Torres. I think he's a good bat. He's somewhat versatile. He's He used to play short, but he wasn't good enough there, so they moved him to second, where he's been solid generally. But he's a good hitter, and he's still just 26 years old. It's He's been around forever, it feels like, but he's just 26 years old. And the Yankees, they kind of need to shake things up, I think. And so if Glaber Torres is available, the problem is he's a, he's like a second baseman. And when Tyro Estrada comes back, I guess, you know what? What am I talking about? Tyro Estrada could play shortstop. I don't think that it's the best fit defensively for him, but he could play shortstop if needed like next year. So Glaber Torres, I don't like you ask realistic and I don't know the Yankees trading him would be pretty drastic actually. So I'm not sure that that qualifies as realistic, but I did just want to mention uh, his name. He's, he's a free agent after next year. And so it's, it's about that time that the Yankees might think about shaking things up and trading a guy like him. They don't have a lot of guys who have a ton of trade value, but he's one who does have some trade value. He is, like I said, 26. He's historically been about 10 to 15% above average offensively. Just a good hitter. And I think that that would be a, if the Giants could somehow get this guy. And I don't know where you'd play him when Estrada's back and Crawford's back. It would probably move Crawford to the bench and Estrada to shortstop or something like that. But maybe that's a better configuration overall because of the much improved offense you'd be getting by having Torres in the lineup instead of Crawford. And so outside of that, I wrote down Justin Turner, who's having a nice year for the Red Sox. They're just, there's some you know, Orioles, Ramon Urias, and maybe Jorge Mateo, who's not much of a hitter, but is a good defender. Uh, yeah, those are some names. Those are some names. It is not a very deep list. And there are some outfielders, but Farhan Zaidi has said that he doesn't see them targeting outfielders. And so there's also like prospects who are MLB ready that you could possibly see. And there's, there's always guys, there's so many players in Major League Baseball that 
there's always kind of under the radar guys, but these are more kind of obvious veteran like trade candidates. But the Giants have sometimes targeted, you know, the Lamont Wade Juniors of the world who you've got to kind of do really deep dives to have seen that one coming. And players like that who weren't much of anything until they got them and then they started to perform. So you could see something like that for sure. Like a smaller, less obvious trade scenario. Coming up in just a minute, Elliot Ramos. Has he fallen out of favor? What's going on with him? He was tearing it up in AAA. Is he ever going to get another shot with the Giants? Is he a trade candidate? We'll get into it momentarily and first. All right, as promised, Elliot Ramos. What's going on with him? He was tearing it up on his rehab assignment. Is he ever going to get another shot? Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Everydayers on Monday, breaking down this series in Washington, D.C. It's going to be hot. Uh, the Giants playing a team that's I think, has the second worst record in the National League. Their pitching has not been great. Their defense has not been great. And this is a series that you should win. And so hopefully talking about at least two out of three in D.C., and hopefully even a sweep. Giants play the Nationals tonight at 4.05 Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. Going to be Alex Wood on the mound for the Giants against Jake Irvin, who's got a 4.96 ERA and is a right-handed pitcher. This is not a guy who should dominate the Giants. So can we please end this trend of pitchers having their best outings ever against the Giants? Get to this guy. Come on. So anyway, the next question comes from uh, K.M. McConnell, who says, Is Elliot Ramos going to get another chance to make this outfield? His rehab seems to be going well with approximately one and a half weeks left until he needs to be activated. I wouldn't be mad to see a Ramos-Matos-Slater outfield against left-handed pitching, at least until Hanniger is back. And so obviously this question came, you know, it was like a week or two ago that this question was asked, probably about a week and a half. And so he has since ended his rehab assignment and been optioned back to Sacramento. And yeah, I mean, when I look, I watched, I actually watched the Sacramento game last night and Ramos had like identical hits, like doubles or one was a double and one was a triple down the right field line, like gr- sharp ground balls right past the first baseman to the opposite field. And when I look at his overall numbers in AAA, he's actually hitting above average there for the first time. He's his two, 2021 and 2022 in AAA over the span of uh, actually exactly 162 games, he was below average in both of those years. The first year, 20% below average. And then last year in 108 games, he was 35% below average offensively for that league. But this year, he in 30 games is hitting 310 with a 357 on base and 566 slugging. He's also dropped that strikeout rate under 20%. So I hadn't actually taken note. I had looked when he was on the rehab assignment and seen, you know, he was hot for like a week, but I the overall numbers still weren't there yet. But now they are. And so I do think that he's a guy you could see at some point. Right now, they're currently 
let's see. I'm I'm looking over the the roster they're running out with right now. Like David VR, for example, I could see. Obviously, VR is an infielder, but when JD Davis is playing, and you've got Wilmer Flores as coverage at third base in an emergency, and if with Crawford currently being out, I think they probably like having VR, but. When I look through, like Schmidt is playing shortstop, Wisely's playing second base right now. With so many injuries they have, they're using, there's often a lefty like in the outfield against left-handed pitching. And so I could, I could definitely see the benefit of Ramos over somebody else, but it's just not entirely obvious to me who would get sent out. Whether it's, I mean, it would be probably one of, VR or wisely, but right now those guys are kind of playing because of all the injuries they have, and those are infielders. And so maybe they just don't feel like there's room for another outfielder. But I could, yeah, based on the performance, either getting another shot with the Giants or being someone who has some trade value and could get moved at this deadline. I think Joey Bart is also a candidate to get traded because there's just not, I mean, Patrick Bailey has overtaken him simply. And so yeah, I think he could get – yeah, he's had his shots even when he wasn't doing well offensively. So the fact that he's doing well, certainly it, I could see him getting a shot at some point. Last question from Yerp, who says, Anthony DiScofani for Jorge Mateo from the Orioles. Who says no? So that's a good, fun, little specific question. I did mention Jorge Mateo a minute ago. I'm not 100% familiar with the Orioles, like, total middle infield situation. I know that they have Gunnar Henderson, a stud prospect playing short. And at second base, they've got a veteran in Adam Frazier. They've also got, like I said, Ramon Urias on you know that roster and Jorge Mateo as well. So just to fill everybody in on Jorge Mateo, he is definitely a below average hitter. He is, I'm trying to see his contract status and also I'll mention Urias as well, but, oh, shoot, I scrolled to the wrong page. So where is he? Jorge Mateo has three years of team control, two and a half, two more after 2023, and Urias has four years of team control, three more after 2023. And so um, Mateo, I'll just get to your specific question. He is really good defensively. He is a guy who has is a plus defender at shortstop. He's also a good defender at second, but he hasn't even played second since 2021. He hasn't played any other position than shortstop since 2021. So he's been used exclusively as the as a shortstop for the Orioles where last year 14 defensive runs saved, 11 outs above average. This year, four defensive runs saved, four outs above average. So just a plus defender. But uh, career, 25% below average offensively, but also a plus base runner. And so he's he's put up three and a half Fangraphs wins above replacement in a little over 1,000 plate appearances. For Di Sclafani, it's interesting because he's got this $12 million contract this year, and then a guaranteed $12 million next year. And I could see the Giants kind of wanting to shed that contract because Di Sclafani hasn't been great this year. And he 
he's just been inconsistent, although they probably still believe they can get the most out of him. I could see there being a potential fit. I just think in terms of who says no, maybe both teams. I'm not sure that Di Scofani is who the Orioles really would want, although I think that team could use some pitching, so maybe there is an argument there. But for the Giants to acquire Jorge Mateo, it's not the most attractive player to me because he's he just can't hit, really. But at the same time, you'd be shedding a contract that maybe you want to shed. And so I think probably the Orioles say no, just taking on that money. Like they're a team, their payroll is low. Their payroll is currently an estimated $61 million. For reference, the Giants are an estimated $194 million. So taking on a $12 million salary for next year, plus the remainder that's owed to him this year, is just, it's a lot of money for that team. And Di Scofani hasn't been great, so I'm not sure they would want to pay it. So I say the Orioles say no. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every day is Monday, breaking down the Giants in D.C., hopefully getting back on track after two straight losses in Cincinnati, a series they should win even though it's on the road and they're they're probably gassed at this point on this long road trip. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thanks in advance and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.